Well, good morning, Door of Hope. Here I am at the church, looking into a camera rather than into your lovely faces. Strange times that we're in. Uh, but I just wanted to take a moment before we jump into the message that I prepared for you today, uh, just a couple little updates. You know, we've been getting a few emails with questions around whether or not it's safe for us to meet as community groups. And I just want to let you know, Seth Mercer, who is one of our elders, an ER physician, and felt very comfortable with us encouraging community groups still. We still feel good about that, but we also recognize that people's comfort levels are different. And so if that's something you're not comfortable with, we're gonna leave that up to you. The, the fear for us is uh, the danger of being overly isolated. Uh, we do believe what scripture declares, it's not good that man be alone. Uh, we're not wanting to spread the virus, but I think that there's still uh, we haven't been told that it's not okay to have small gatherings. And so uh, I'm gonna leave that up to your discretion. We also wanna just let you know if you need prayer uh, or you're experiencing a lot of anxiety or fears, just please email us, let us know. Uh, we could even potentially try to figure out visitation. So just, just keep us in the loop with what's going on. We're gonna have to communicate and use these uh, formats and social media as, as ways of staying connected. And so just want to let you know, we love you. We're praying for you. We believe God is in this uh, and is going to actually utilize it. I believe with all of my heart that God is going to use this as, as one of those unique times that people are shaken because they are confronted with their own mortality and they are going to be looking for something bigger than themselves. And we as Christians uh, have to recognize this as a powerful opportunity to demonstrate our confidence that Jesus really is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Uh, so with that being said, I have prepared a, a short message for you today, just entitled, I am with you. And it's just driven by that central tenet of the Christian faith, that God is closer to us than we are to our own thoughts that Jesus has not abandoned us, that he said, and lo, I am with you to the end of the age, that he has sent his spirit to dwell within us, uh, and that he is coming again physically uh, to set right all that is wrong in the world. And until that time, we are a people who are to walk in the power of his spirit, confidently demonstrating uh, that our allegiance is to the one who spoke and the universe leapt into existence. So I want to just begin with a, a story from my childhood called The Devil and the Floorboards. So the apartment was the perfect place for the devil to live in 1977. The slough next to it was ominous. Nutrias, these are giant semi-aquatic rodents with dark orange teeth that were introduced to Washington State in the 1930s from the South. I like to refer to them as white trash beavers. We're often seen swimming around in its brown waters, not to mention my bright red fire truck. And this is a fire truck that I got for Christmas. As a four-year-old, it was the dream present from Santa. You could ride in it, it had bells, pedals inside but somebody thought it would be funny to crush my soul by throwing it into the slough. Next to the slough, there was a paper mill, uh, and that paper mill spewed gaseous fumes into the air 24-7 that made much of the town I grew up in feel like you were being hotboxed by a car full of demons with irritable bowel syndrome. 
You know, the devil comes into your room at night through the floorboards. These were the prophetic words the son of my babysitter spoke to me one day. I remember their house, their voice, and the sentence, but nothing else. Sadly, those words would set a trajectory for much of my childhood that was marked by night terrors. I still may or may not from time to time jump onto my bed from the doorway when I am left alone to avoid my feet being grabbed by what is potentially lurking, lurking in the shadows. Well, the devil did come and he would whisper things to me, pinning me to my bed with his strong unseen arms. My tongue would be stuck in my throat and then eventually break free into a scream that would bring my exhausted mother to my room. She would stroke my damp hair and sing me back to sleep with the sweet words of Karen Carpenter. On the day that you were born, the angels got together and decided to create a dream come true. One night, he told me that if my mom didn't stop smoking, she was going to burn in hell. So I had to do something. The next day, I took all of her cigarettes into the entryway closet and breaking them into pieces and sticking them into a pile as a peace offering to God, like the blood on the doorposts of the Israelites, maybe the angel of death would pass over that somehow my mediation would save my mother. Well, this genuine act of love and concern led my mother to the conclusion that the devil might be, must be exercised from my room before she lost her mind. So she bought me a guardian angel as she told me, a portrait of the guardian angel that was already with me and placed it over my bed. The painting was the iconic guardian by the Austrian Hans Zatzka, who painted under the pseudonym Zabateri. It was painted in 1918. It portrays two children, a sister and her little brother, crossing a dangerous and rickety bridge barefoot. A beautiful Germanic female angel hovers behind them with her long flowing blonde hair, stars above her head, arms spread in protection, and out of her flowing white and blue robe, two magnificent white wings. She never told me her name, but I thanked God for her every night. The devil hated her and stopped coming around for a while, but she was powerless against the smell and those horrid white trash beavers. From time to time, I wondered why, if she was able to keep those kids from falling into the water and get the devil out of my floorboards, couldn't she save my fire truck? You see, that story tells that significant reality of how desperately we need to know that we are not alone, how easy it is to become fearful as a kid, that was something that I experienced through much of my childhood as a, a child that experienced a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. It probably had to do with the lack of stability that I experienced as a kid. But I, I love that story because there was something so comforting as a child. I really believed that there was this guardian angel there to stop the devil from tormenting me and it brought peace. But how much more should we be experiencing peace, not at the promise of something that may or may not be true, but at the very real promise, the foundation by which all other foundations <laughs> find themselves based upon, and that is the promise of Jesus, and lo, I am with you to the end of the age. These are the very words that Jesus spoke to his disciples, we are told, in the Great Commission at the end of Matthew in chapter 28. He tells his disciples that they are to carry his message to the ends of the world, that they are to bring the saving message of Jesus to the world and to make disciples. 
And he promises this to them. And the paradox is he promises this as he is departing. He says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The amen that is spoken at the end of that statement is the let it be so, as it shall be. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, the preacher tells a church that is terrified by the oncoming persecution that it is beginning to experience and reminds them of Jesus' own words, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Psalm 56, 3, the psalmist says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. We don't put our trust in an ideology. We put our trust in a living personality, a God who is present a God who has entered into his own creation and taken its brokenness into himself, a God who has told us through his son that we are not to be afraid for he will send to us another helper, the spirit of truth, who will come to dwell with us, to be within us, that God himself will make his home within the hearts of those that put their faith in Jesus. And so I just have these three ideas that I want to speak to you uh, three kind of realities that come when we become afraid. When we're afraid, we become frozen. And I think that we need to remember that as Christians, Jesus calls us to pick up our cross and follow him. That faith is a faith that actually takes us somewhere. It's never static. I think of that verse in Hebrews 11, verse eight, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. This is the command of Jesus, go, I am with you. Go into the world. The Christian life is not to push us into some interior region where we find spiritual enlightenment. It is not an inward and upward journey. It is an outward and downward journey into the brokenness of God's world. The place where we find Jesus is Jesus is in the world, moving toward that which is lost and broken, that he might bring healing, that he might bring salvation, that he can seek and save that which is lost, and he does it through us. In a time like this, there are gonna be many non-believers in our realms of influence that are incredibly shaken with fear. We can't allow ourselves to be frozen with fear because we have the answer to the dilemmas of the world. And the answer is not something, it's someone. Jesus says, follow me. He never says where he's going. Because the fact is, is that where we're going doesn't matter. What matters is who we are going with. He shows us not the path, but the person. He says, I am the way. And this path is often shrouded in incomprehensible darkness. But that's okay, because Jesus says, be not afraid, I'm the light of the world. And now you're the light of the world because my spirit is within you. Worry not about where you go, worry about who you know. The thing that should create concern for us is the concern that comes when we don't feel like we really know the very one whom we are to believe in because Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you. The great warning in scripture is not, you're gonna have trials. If you trust me, you won't. No, the great warning in scripture is, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And this is what we need to be confident in, is that we know in whom we have believed. This is 
the very words of Paul that I think we should take heart. We can't be frozen. We are called to follow him because he is with us. Secondly, we get overwhelmed when we're afraid. But Jesus says this in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Peace is the thing that he offers in the place of being overwhelmed. He says, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. He says, overcome because I am with you. You are to be an overcomer. You are to experience peace in the midst of the tribulation. Peace is not the absence of difficulty. Peace is something that we have in the midst of the trial. It's knowing, yes, this is scary, but the one who has overcome is with me. It's kind of like as a child, the, the thing that would often calm me down. Before my mom got the picture, it was my mom's presence. It was my mom coming in, being in that same room with me where the devil would come, my mom would come and stroke my damp head and she would sing words of comfort to me. The Holy Spirit is that comforter. Isn't it weird when we can experience great, great difficulty in a moment of incredible trial and tribulation that it can be in that time where we experience the deepest peace. I saw this with, with Craig as, as he was fighting cancer and moving toward the end of his life. And he told me how afraid he was. And I remember just the power of, of reminding him again and again, Jesus is with you. Even writing him that song, Sweet Peace, uh, which I'm gonna play for you at the end of this message. To remind him again and again that peace is not something that Jesus gives. Peace is Jesus himself with us in the midst of the difficulty and he has overcome death and he has overcome sin and he has overcome this world. Therefore, we don't need to be frozen. We can go with the confidence that he's with us. We don't need to be overwhelmed because we can overcome because he is with us. We are overcomers because he has overcome this world. And finally, we don't need to be anxious because the one who is our peace is calling us to grab a hold of him. This is what it means to trust him. Our faith in Christ is not the faith that believes that he exists. Our faith in Jesus is, the, is that, that total trust in him. It is trusting in him in such a way that he is able to be himself in and through our lives. This is why Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who, is, who promised is faithful, faithful to be with us, hold fast, to Jesus. He is good. God is not a spectator of our pain, but a participator in it. That we can trust that though we may not be free from trials, that he understands, for he has been tempted in all ways, but without sin. That he has experienced the difficulties of life. As Dorothy Sayers says, whatever game God is playing, he has played fair and taken his own medicine. This is why Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He spoke that to, to Isaiah. He spoke that to Israel in the midst of great difficulty because in our fears, he is here to strengthen us. In our trials, he's here to help us. In our brokenness, he's here to uphold us. 
And I actually believe that it is in these times, times where we're being stretched, where all of a sudden, what we really hope in, what we really trust in is actually being revealed. Because I think that when we come into tribulation and difficulty, this is the means by which our lives are purified in which our faith is actually purified by fire. We as believers need to have a much deeper theology of suffering. We as believers need to understand uh, that our trust is not to be in our health, in our jobs, in our politics, in our country. Our trust is to be in nothing but Jesus himself. And so I just wanna encourage all of you today to know that Jesus is on the throne and this is our opportunity to truly uh, experience uh, the power of the gospel and to be a conduit of grace and mercy to the King. We love you, we are here for you, we are praying with you. Jesus loves you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be frozen, don't be overwhelmed, don't be anxious. He says, go, I'm with you. He says, overcome, I am with you. He says, hold fast, I am with you. This is the word of our King. I thought it would be cool to just uh, do something I haven't done before. I don't generally play a song in a message, but a song that I wrote for a dear friend when he was experiencing tremendous fear because he was about to meet God in a way that we all will, and that is that he was about to die. A month before his death, uh, I wrote this song for him when he called me and said, Josh, I'm so afraid. And I, I said, I understand, but God has called you to trust him uh, as you move toward this last great unknown, the unknown of passing through this life into the next. And this song became uh, uh, just a constant source of encouragement for um, for Craig and he had me play it for him over and over again. In fact, we were playing it for him when he actually passed uh, and it's called Sweet Peace. We often do it at the church and I just thought it would be good to close with this um, kind of as a closing prayer, if you will. So uh, this is Sweet Peace. Jesus, meet me in this dark unknown. I'm falling apart, leave me alone. Lord, I believe, oh, help my unbelief. Oh, Jesus. I am so afraid of what I can see. Oh, be my peace, come strengthen me. To know your love is to know your love for me. Draw me into your grace. Place, then I'll see your face. 
Thank you. 